0: Hello there and welcome back to Making Babies. It's been a little while since I published. Um, we came down with COVID before Christmas and spent a little while recovering from that. So I've embedded myself back into general life and work in the new year, which means I'm just now catching up with bringing you some more wonderful guests on the podcast. This week, it's a really brilliant chat. It's Rhea and Fern Burrage mail Rhea is the chief executive of Hockey Wales and Fern is a sports and business consultant and football manager. We talk to them about their fertility journey, how it works when using a sperm donor and life being mums after a complex and harrowing path to get there. We'll hear from Ria and Fern in just a moment, but first, here's a sneak peek at the second series as a whole. We will create a life that we want, whether there's a child in there or not. This is about trusting each other, loving each other, and respecting each other. He went and had a full medical with his about his sperm because because of rugby, he'd been kicked quite a lot down there because he said, I didn't want to propose to you, and then turn around and say, oh, by the way, I'm infertile. I'd just been diagnosed with fibroids. I looked around four to five months pregnant. You feel like there's an alien inside you, just sucking the life out of you. As usual, I'll look at a range of issues from a range of viewpoints, nutrition, mental health, sperm donation to name a few. I'll try to ask the questions that you want answered. It sounds it really like, strange, doesn't it? Let's
1: go and buy yeah. some sperm. You just kind of do some filtering and you go, right, well, we both want somebody who's fit and healthy. Obviously, that comes first and foremost, but you, you just kind of start narrowing your search down.
0: I, I kind of remember the sense of your life being on pause and you're not being able to find proper joy and happiness in in things around you and that feeling is so paralyzing. Talking about um, nutrition or talking about sex or talking about being in a bigger body or talking about you know any of these things they all feel like they're a bit taboo. If there were any single foods that were going to really increase your chances of fertility then that's something that the doctors would be prescribing. A big thank you to CRGW Clinics, my sponsor with clinics now in Cardiff, Bristol and Swansea. CRGW has been helping to create families in Wales and the South West since 2010, priding themselves on putting patients before profits and offering cost effective treatment. A big part of their ethos is caring about the way they care. And that's something that I can actually really vouch for because they've been a really important part of our journey over the years. Um, it's just one more hello to get in uh, before we hear from Rhea and Fern. Hello everybody, and Jemima. That is Jemima, our precious, wondrous bundle of joy, who was a result of seven years of treatments, operations, drug trials, uh, looking at surrogacy, you name it, we have done it. Um, and this podcast series, I suppose, is dedicated to her, really. So on to Rhea and Fern. I started by asking them to give me some background on how it all began.
2: So, Fern and I have been friends before we, we actually sort of became a, a, a couple officially. And um, I sort of retired from international sports and sort of realized it was a bit of a gap in my life. And uh, I knew straight away that I, I wanted to start a family and I was I was on my own at the time and I just thought I'm gonna do it. So, my I initially kind of started the ball rolling in, in my kind of world. Um, I went sort of through the NHS, went to my doctor and started the process. Um, and then we sort of got together and obviously Fernal already knew that I was doing that anyway on my own because we were friends. Um, and you've always wanted uh, to start a yeah. family as well. So it, it just, it just really worked out well in that sense. So when we got together, because I was already in the, the NHS kind of process and system, I just continued with that and we had a conversation around, look, we'll just keep going and see what happens. Um, and then, I was unsuccessful with the NHS, um, so had um, the, the, the egg extraction, and um, unfortunately, the embryos um, hadn't developed and weren't, weren't strong enough, so they, they actually went back in, but there was a failed pregnancy. So then we kind of changed direction and said, sat down and said, well, you know, if it's not working this way, it's a bit of a sign. Let's try something different. Um, and it was at that stage then where I guess our relationship had progressed and we decided that we would maybe um, carry for each other so um, we contacted CRGW and we had an appointment with them and we decided actually in, in the initial instance that um, Firm would carry my eggs. So it would be my eggs and Firm would be um, the um, was it surrogate? surrogate. So, so that, was, uh, that was the next step then really on the kind of us as, as, a, you know, as a kind of established couple and in, in our, in our journey, our IVF journey.
0: And that's probably a lot condensed all into, into one kind of initial. Yeah, was about two years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what people don't realise, I suppose, when you, when you tell that story. There's, there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of stuff that, that go, was going on in that time. And um, can I just start right, right with what you said at the beginning there, when, when you made that decision on your own, actually, because there'll be a lot of people listening that might be doing that as well. Was that quite a daunting thing to do right in the beginning?
2: not at the beginning if if you'd asked me now you know being a single mum yeah I'd probably say it, it would be daunting but you know I, I didn't really I, I knew what I wanted and um and maybe that's kind of my my sports mentality and I, and I just you know I knew that, that was the next step for me so I didn't really give any thought to to you know what it would actually be like being a single mum I've got a good network of people around me anyway so even if I wasn't you know even if you know Fern and I hadn't progressed I, I you know I think I still would have carried on with that process anyway, so... Maybe I didn't give it the thought it needed. Andrea, at the time, I just said,
0: yeah, <laughs> "I need to do this." <laughs> yeah, you knew, you knew what the goal was. As you say, maybe that is from from the sporting challenges and the sporting mentality. Like, yeah. I know what I want, and I'm going for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. How, how were you received in the um, NHS and in the fertility process as a, as a single person going into it? Did you feel that you were really well received and had that support through that as well?
2: Yeah, and I, I, you know, they, I guess they encounter so many different people on different journeys. There was no real question around you know my decision making you know there was an offer for you to kind of meet with them, um a psychologist I think if I remember rightly um to discuss it but you know it was I, I you know as I said I think they they encounter so many different people so there was no no discrimination if you know of any sort
0: and so Fern um, when you sort of arrived into this story <laughs> yes. um, you were you were quite um on track with it with the same purpose the same goal and and it sort of went from there really how did that how did that all come about as you as you started those conversations as a couple
1: yeah it was it was interesting really because as Rhea said i you know i knew she was on this journey i'd always wanted a family i'd, I'd, I'd done the event very very initial exploring it myself kind of going could i do it alone and what does it look like because i was you know completely naive to how how it would work what did i have to do you know um, as Ria said, we we, we got together. Um, I knew she was on this journey and I didn't want to stop that because I didn't know what our relationship looked like at the initial stages. Um, but, you know, we I, I kind of joined her on it. Um, and it wasn't until I guess there was more appointments and I started to be more involved and our relationship grew that it became very much. We were both on this despite Ria going through it and it was going to be. Um, you know, solely Rhea, it was very quickly, I guess, within the first 12 to 18 months, it was very much, this is our journey together, because I just felt, from our relationship building, I felt very protective over her, and suddenly very, you know, at appointments going, oh, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, and just, (laughs) well, you had to to have that um, that dye or something in your tubes, didn't you? I was sat outside going, God, what's going on in there? And I, you know, they just, it's just little things that you think, I'm suddenly part of this. Um, but it it's not is,
0: natural. You pick up on that. It's quite hard for, for the other person in the relationship. So, somebody's going through these procedures, and yeah. you've kind of just got to sit and wait and kind of hold your hand and, and do what you can when you can. But that's quite yeah. a hard thing to do as well, isn't it? In some ways.
1: Yeah, it is. And you know, we've been we, we've had a number of attempts at at IVF through both NHS and privately. Um, and we've both been in kind of all shoes because we've done ria's eggs in ria we've done ria's eggs in me we've done now we've done my eggs in ria so we've always had the opportunity to be the person in it and also the person who has to hold the hand almost you know and it and it is incredibly difficult it's incredibly difficult i guess we're blessed in the way that we can we've both been in the shoes some couples don't experience that Mm. um so we can really. I guess empathize with what they're going through and that really makes a difference um, particularly when you add hormone tablets to it and all kinds of things like that yeah. to understand and recognize that oh, I think that statement or that you know that comment might have just been the hormone tablets I'll let it go Um because you know it, it is incredibly difficult to stand there and be like I can't do anything I, I can't I can't help. I can't go in there. I can't see anything. I can't be with her. Mm. I've just got to sit and wait. And then when she comes out, go, everything OK? You know, and it's just so pathetic almost. But that's all you can do. <laughs> um, but as I said, it being in a same sex couple uh, and the way we've done it has really helped us.
0: And it's interesting, because I suppose there's one side isn't that being in the same sex couple means you've got those choices because you can use, uh, as you say, you can use the embryos in one person or another person. But on the flip side, you haven't got the choices in other ways, because you have to um, use a sperm donor. So yeah. I mean, you can see the positive side in one way, but equally in this process, there's a huge factor that you've you've got to go through that sperm donor process. And something that I haven't talked about much on this podcast, I don't know much about myself and I'd be really intrigued to know more. And really, yeah, start from the beginning <laughs> with that whole process. How does it how does it work? And for those yeah. who might be embarking on it, um, any tips and advice along the way that you might be able to shed some light on sort of the complexities yeah. of it really <laughs> it sounds isn't really it like, strange doesn't it let's go and buy yeah. some sperm let's yeah. go and it <laughs> is like that isn't <laughs> it? it's the
1: weird, and we got the laptop out and a glass of wine and we were like right let's do this <laughs> laptops up and we didn't know where uh, you know you are a bit giggly with it at the start you know you are because you're just thinking you know thankfully i haven't been on many dating apps but i imagine it's like a dating app you just kind of do some filtering and you go right well you know, we've both got dark hair, so we put in dark hair. We both want somebody who's fit and healthy. Obviously, that comes first and foremost. But you, you just kind of start narrowing your search down. The actual um, donors then, the information that you get is, is more than I could have ever, ever imagined. Obviously, you get full medical history, but you also get the full medical history of the parents and Sib- the grandparents yeah. um, and siblings. Um, which, you know, again was excellent. But you then start getting further detail around um, you know, have they had their ears pinned? Have they worn braces? Do they wear glasses? Um, and then this the kind of sillier stuff, what food do they like? What's the celebrity like? And you start thinking, oh, look at this, look at oh, they like they like country music. Well, we like country music. And it's the <laughs> most ridiculous thing you're thinking, it doesn't matter. But you do end up narrowing it down, narrowing it down, and you get maybe let's say a handful you get a handful of donors and you think right medically wise these are all perfect they're really strong they they fit the bill they they have got some of the things that we would like to see so they've got a certain height say or or or, you know darker hair but then you do start looking at the silly stuff because you're going well what's going to differentiate between these five for us Mm. it's their tastes it's can they you know you said can they catch a ball Can, are they sporty and you it doesn't really matter but you've got five in front of you how do you pick yeah. one over the other yeah. you know to put them in a hat and just go right this will do or they show you pictures do you want to see pictures I mean I didn't <laughs> I,
2: I I even now I, I block that I block it out I I, I don't is science to me it's a process i just think that you know is the person you know there's all everything around chromosome deficiencies and you know medical history to the extent that if 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 i had a condition that i don't know about and that donor had a condition and we we matched then there's a risk so you then you then you know you could be as much as 40 potential people based on some of the simple decisions you make in filtering. And all of a sudden you are down to three and you're going, wow, you know, what would, what would have happened if we were down to nobody? What do we then do? What do we then um, not prior or sacrifice to some extent? And it, it's really, you, you kind of, as you're filtering, you're hoping that there's one, two, three donors that you can actually select from um, because it's, you know, ultimately for it, it's the health of the, of the, of the donor is the most important thing mm. um and then as, as Fern alluded to you do then get into kind of the funny stuff you know you look at it you can see their handwriting they do handwritten letters so you yeah. can see their handwriting and you can see um photos baby photos of them and, and you know I I've blanked all that out now I think you've still got a bit of a memory of it but
1: yeah,
2: I, I you know for me it's it, it's not a person it's just science for me and, and I've had to I've had to I think that's the only way that I can deal with it whereas you think slightly differently about it don't you I think I'm just not
1: not worried about it i don't see i see them as a part of it but i don't see them involved in this they're not so i don't i you know i have seen um a recent baby photo from their original profile and it doesn't bother me it doesn't you know i know that we didn't order a uk donor and that was important to us i didn't want to ever be thinking
0: God, did i just walk past
1: him today you know i, I uh, never meant to be considering have i bumped into him
0: okay so that's that's really um yeah so that's something i really want to know the difference between. Yeah. You. so you you there's a very the first starting point is do you choose uk or do you do you go abroad and, and how does that work in terms of that on an yeah, anonymity process and etc there's a
1: couple of um donor banks there's there's one called um zytec which is an american company uh and then there's the european sperm bank I'm sure there are more, but they were the main two that we looked at. So we chose a, a, the European Sperm Bank um, and didn't choose the UK um, out, out of choice.
0: Um, and so you just need to speak to your clinic, really, whichever clinic you're with and, and find out what's on offer and make that choice through that yeah. clinic and what's best for you, really.
1: Yeah. And I'm pretty sure any reputable donor bank will be able to deliver to the UK. So as I said, those are two, but I'm sure yeah. I'm sure there's more available, but they, they're the two that, that we're familiar with. Um, and
0: if people are thinking further forward about um you know what, what does that donor ever um have contact with um your baby or how does that work is you know what 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 is written into the terms and conditions yeah, and regarding this, all of that this is a really
2: interesting question. I said something you you I think you absolutely have to consider when you when you do this um there's historically there were different ways of doing it, but they've changed the rules to the extent now that um let's say Bowden wanted to find out more. Um, he would be able to contact the the donor bank, and then the donor bank then would contact the donor. Um, and similarly, there's a sibling list as well. So there's a number attached to Bowden. So if he wanted to find out if he had any siblings across the world, um, equally he could do the same, and they could say yes, there's siblings. Uh, this is as I understand it now. Obviously, things might change. Um, but yeah, there's an opportunity for him then to to
1: find. Um, but he can only do that at 18, right? I, yeah, I think, I think, I think he's got to be an adult. Yeah has to be an adult to be able to make those calls and decisions it can't be any sooner than
0: that um, and I suppose really important that it's done through the, the agency because the other person also the, the donor or the siblings potential siblings they have the the rights to um not want that contact as well I guess if, that, if they didn't want yeah. to, so. it so
2: there has to be consent from both parties yeah. to <laughs> it's funny talking about that. like this isn't it <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because it
0: seems so far away for one doesn't it but as, yeah. as you say it's important questions that you need to sort of consider when you're making making choices
1: but I think the other thing that was I guess kind of reassuring um is that the donors can only ever um donate or give or or, you know whatever you want to call it to to up to 10 families so they can't go beyond that I mean 10 does sound a lot but at the same time it's not a huge amount across the world if you see what I mean or certainly across Europe for example so that was a little bit reassuring that we weren't You know, we weren't using a donor who'd been used 100 times or 500 times. Um, They can only go up to 10 times and then you can go back to that particular donor and say, right, I've had uh, a donation from you previously. I'd like to extend the family. Would you consider giving more to us? Mm -hmm. So This is becoming maybe a little bit more popular, um, you know, particularly
2: with more sort of, you know, same sex relationships um, and everyone. You know, we've got a lot of friends, we've got families and, you know, they've all done the same thing as us. They've gone through the same process. You know, sometimes I do think in the back of my mind, I wonder if they've used the same donor as us. And we, we don't actually have the conversation. I've never said to one of my friends, you know, what number and what bank um but it, I, if i'm honest it does kind of i do think about it sometimes
0: <laughs> yeah i suppose the likelihood would be very fairly, fairly small but yeah, yeah it, it yeah. does cross your mind i guess
2: yeah and i think because there's they can only give to 10 recipients then yeah yeah it, you you would be hopeful that it's uh, it's highly unlikely
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and and you're um clearly quite happy talking about it and quite happy when the time is right to have that conversation with boden as well as yeah. he grows up
2: And there's there's quite a bit of literature out there now, you know, for for children, for books around, you know, you know, being, having little books about, you know, I mean, there's a book about um, penguins and there's two dad penguins in a a zoo in New York, you know, and I think those, those books are really healthy to sort of, you know, start having the conversation early and, you know, he's going to be brought up around families with, with, you know, two mums. It's not going to be an unusual or, you know, like when we grew up, it was you know, right. I, I don't know right. anybody. I didn't know anybody, and now he's going to be surrounded by it. So, yeah. you know, we we will we will be honest with him, and we will have that conversation with him, and yeah. we will fortunately learn from our friends
1: who've who've done it before us to say what worked, what didn't work. So. Yeah. And he's, you know, that that will all, he he it will always be known as a donor. It's never. The dad, or it's never this. I mean, I remember coming for sure. My mum, my mum referred to him. Well, what was the dad like? And it was like, well, we don't call him the dad. <laughs> he's not. He's not the dad. It's the donor for yeah. starters. It, um, it really tests my patience. When, <laughs> and it's. It. You know what? It's not.
2: It's no one's fault. It's just a lack of education around yeah. what we've gone through and what we. What we refer to it as. Yeah. So I think you know sometimes i my I, I initially get my hackles up and I go actually I need to educate this person around. What it means to us and how we'd like them to to talk about it yeah um, it was, it was
0: own my motion, yeah you? <laughs> well you're sort of answering my, my next question because that's what i was going to ask you, you know how much education are we lacking um in terms of the right terminology to use and the awkwardness that people might have around it how do we break those taboos down and and what sort of things what other things have you you experienced as well around it i suppose
1: yeah and i think it is talking more openly about it talking more honestly about it understanding that people who are going through IVF actually are quite from what I've experienced quite comfortable to talk about it and if people have questions they just need to ask Mm. Um, and even you know close close family like our parents sometimes just go oh what what happens here or remind me this part and you you've just got to ask because they don't nobody knows if you're not physically going through the journey yeah and there's not many people that are secretive about it couples we know that have gone through it they've got no secrets about it but they don't want to just start blabbering about it in case Mm. it's not something somebody else wants to talk about in a over a coffee but we've just got to start going oh do you mind do you mind chatting about it you know how did it come about or what what was this I think that's only going to help in our language and you instantly would pick up on it how we refer to a donor Mm. somebody would go right they they prefer to to call it a donor sperm, that's fine, no problem.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You you had the sperm donor side of things to deal with in all of this, but you also had the IVF journey generally to deal with, and that wasn't a straightforward one, as you sort of alluded to earlier. There were lots of there's lots of chopping and changing and different you're trying different things and um disappointments um I'm, I'm assuming along the way as well so aside from the, the side we've just talked about which was an added level to it um just just tell me a little bit about that from, from the start how, how all of that came about and the ups and downs and a little bit of a roller coaster along the way yeah
2: no, I, I think I think the biggest learning from it is actually it's not that straightforward you know it, it and every hurdle you hit is different, and you don't know, you don't expect that hurdle. You you have no idea that it looks like that and it feels like that. And I and I think that's the thing that we 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 probably we we stopped being excited to some extent because we just said it's just a process of and it's just science and we have to go through it. And if there's a positive outcome at the end, then brilliant. But let's rein it back a little bit and let's just take each step as it comes. And I think when we first started everything was exciting. It's like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And, and emotionally, that's really, really difficult that, to, to manage that elation and that knockdown. Um, Even you
0: know, with uh, the sporting backgrounds that you've got, I and mean, you're used to those highs and lows, but absolutely. it's a different, it's, different it's, thing. It's it? Do different, different. you know, it's
2: the lack of control. I think when you're in a sporting environment and you think, I haven't quite done that, I just need to you know, work on my strength or I need to improve that aspect of my game. There's no control in the situation. And that's the thing I, maybe I struggled with the most is, I... I was out of control and I'm not used to that and it was it was really really tough um and particularly from my perspective is in the sense that my eggs weren't maturing effectively so every time that we tried with me initially me carrying my eggs and then Fern um carrying mine uh, it was we established you know after sort of three goes or so that um there was enough eggs, so we there was sort of seven, eight, nine, ten eggs that were were, were extracted, um, and then obviously they then go into um into the I'm, I'm, I'll be a bit blunt in the dish with the sperm, so to speak. They do their thing, and then they become embryos, and then it, the embryo strength then is the conversation you have next, and that's the important thing. So then they pick up the phone and say, you know, great, you know, five five of become embryos which is brilliant and then we'll contact you day three we'll contact you day five and oh, then you know it's you'll just so in. hard
0: that that week that a few days <laughs> yeah. I think it feels like forever doesn't it yeah
2: and you know don't you you know day one you know exactly when day one is which you know when you have um when you conceive naturally you don't know if it's day one day five day ten you have no idea whereas you, you there's so much um you're so aware from the start um so you know I think three um gestated I think that's the right terminology three um, were were good to go so we went in and uh, you know we all gowned up ready to go into surgery so you were ready I was ready we sat on the bed and then they came in and said really sorry but the three have not um developed so they, they check it for multiplication you, I, I think mean, they, they go to do. is it
0: blastocyst though blastocyst. that's what they like to see isn't it which is like yeah. around is yeah or something like that or day seven around that kind of time yeah. um, they get to be a better embryo i suppose yeah. is, the, is the way yeah. of putting it and, and so, so they didn't get to that point did, did and they we they?
2: went in we were ready and this is the bit about the elation the you know the kind of you know unexpected kind of knockdown is we were literally gowned up to go into theater and, the, you know, the embryologist came in and said, look, we're really sorry. And we were just sat in the bed going, "What? Well, so when we're not, it's not, it's not going to happen. There's no implantation. They said, it's just, they've just not, and they kind of checked them every sort of, you check
0: them almost every four hours or something. Cu- to yeah, yeah, every couple of hours. So the transfer just was, it, that was off the cards at that point. Yeah. yeah. So we just
2: walked out of there just like in utter shock and disbelief saying, uh, you know, we had never anticipated that because so many had been extracted and some had progressed, we just, and I think that's the bit you, you know, any advice I give to people is just don't over expect and just take each day as it comes and each step as it comes, because we then had to go back to the, we'd both been on medication, which is interesting two women taking hormone medication, they one in the same house. Um, you know, I was taking it to get my, the eggs ready. Firm was taking it to get her body ready for um, surrogacy. So um, yeah, it, it, that, was a real kind of setback for us and we just had to kind of you know take some time out and just reposition ourselves and go right that was a shock what do we now do what does next look like for us yeah. so that's that something was, you don't yeah. think
0: about that you're both you're both going to be on that medication and it's hard <laughs> enough when one of you in the household is yeah. is yeah. on that medication so that's yeah that's an interesting aspect to it as well and I totally appreciate what you mean about not getting too excited and too hopeful but then you get to that point where you, you kind of stop hoping, but and that's kind of a really negative emotion and really negative for your mental health. So it's how to get that balance between and I think you sort of touched on it there because you said, right, then we decided right, we're just gonna look at this as science. So is that the way you looked at it from then on? From from right, right what we're gonna try now, we're just gonna try and keep it. This is this is science. This is a kind of an experiment. And I don't know, what was your what was your outlook? How did you control your hope and your expectations? I think,
1: I think sadly we got used to it. We you know, we've we had t- Bowdoin was number seven um, for us. Cycle seven, whatever you want to
0: call it. So, you know, by that point we'd you'd actually had se- seven IVF cycles. Seven, yeah, you, you'd done uh, including the seven go- fresh go- cycles.
1: Yeah, the, including yeah. the goal with the NHS with Rhea. That yeah, that was number one. But seven was was Bowden. Um, so we'd we'd been through a lot, and we knew it. So by the by, kind of go five, six, and seven. I think we were kind of. It was very scientific. It was a. a It was a little bit matter of fact, you know, um, but I, you know, that particular incident that that Ria Ria discussed, it did, it it knocked us for six. It it felt like we'd been hit by a bus, if I'm honest, because up until that point, probably go two, three, four. It was, like you said, quite full of excitement. And we would get a call on day three and they go, oh, we've, you know, they've gone really well and we'll see you on day five. Great. We didn't know at day five there could still be a hurdle. Yes. We thought we'd gone past the hurdle. And every go in go, go three, four and five, there was a different hurdle that we didn't expect. So it was like, oh, the eggs haven't grown enough. And we were like, what, What's happening? what, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, you haven't got enough eggs to extract. Oh, what? We didn't know that could happen. Oh, um, you know, I'm trying to think now. We've got to blast this today. We've implanted. And then two weeks later, you get a negative test. Yeah. Oh, we did, we didn't think, we did think it was possible, but we were like, oh, we were so sure, you know, we had sickness, Strong, we yeah. had sore boobs, we were like, this is going to be it. And, it's, and then it, it's, test. it's
0: and it, it tricks just, you, doesn't it? Because your horm- the hormones that you're on are also giving you <laughs> symptoms that could be pregnancy symptoms. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, we had one, um, we had one miscarriage and again, you kind of, you, you get, you this time we did everything again. We got excited. We went, oh, blast this is great. You know, day five, they were in. Two weeks later, the pregnancy test is positive. This is brilliant. Mm. Scan at week six. We were like, yes, let's do it. Heard the heartbeat. And then I remember the poor girl's face. And she just looked at me and she said, oh, it's, it, it, it's growing small. And I said, oh, what? You know that's all right, it's just a little one, you know, it's just, I'll, eat I'll eat more. And she, I could see in her face and she said, I'm going to re- refer you to Heath Hospital. We've got, um, we've got a clinic or a ward there or whatever it is. And I was like, oh, that's, that's fine, you know, it's just a small one. Give it a couple of days. And I could just tell; I could see it in her face. It was a bad sign. But we went along, and we but we were uber positive. Oh yeah, they said we'd never known anyone to react like this. And we were like,
2: "Yeah, it's fine. We'll make it work." Yeah, so naive. Like, right, need some more protein. Need some more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then why would you? Why would you know any of that medical jargon or the intricacies around it until you start? I mean, we were in a very similar situation, and and then I just went home and googled, and then you Google measurements and you Google what's been on the scan, and then then it's that suddenly hit me. And Lee was still really really positive I remember and I was just saying I've looked it all up I've looked it all up and trying to kind of bring him down a bit because they give you you then have to go back for an appointment don't you and you sort of have to play that waiting game again which is absolutely horrendous yeah it is yeah and, you and, it's, go and- it's
2: days though isn't it it's, it's like it's five days behind its growth and it's like well that's that's okay yeah because you then go well if that was in a normal a traditional I, I, wrong words if that was in a um a natural cycle a process you wouldn't know if it was five days we don't know those days, but because we know five days is a huge, actually, amount of time yes. in that short amount of time, isn't it? So, five days too
1: small. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you're right then. You just get referred and you have scans. And we got to week – it was just past week 11, um, and then I miscarried. Um, and, you know, another massive hurdle that we – you you don't know what to expect, do you? Um, And that was, you know, they give you options. Who knew they gave you options at miscarriage point? Like, what? And then I remember going away and going, right, well, these are our options. We've got a pamphlet on each. And it was, I think, the Friday we went in and they gave us the leaflets. Mm. By the Sunday, I'd made a decision what we want. And the Monday, I miscarried. And it was luckily I decided on a Sunday I wanted to do natural. Yeah. And my body, my body must have known. Who knows? Yeah, because
2: you could have a ta- take a tablet, you could do it med like go in and have surgery or just do it naturally. Yeah. And it's just and they 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 wanted to make a decision there and then. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. you just told us yeah. we've just not heard the heartbeat, you know, and it's a it's a living thing at this stage. And you want me to make a decision like that straight away. It's it's just impossible. You just yeah. can't.
0: And you just have to think. It's very individual, isn't it? Because yeah. th- th- those choices are, are, you know, there's no right choice or wrong choice. You just no. do what is right for you, what you feel is right for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think
2: that the, the hardest thing for you in that situation is it, it is about you. But for those people who deal with it every single day, whilst they are very empathetic and they, they do their very best, it's just another miscarriage. Yeah. But for you as, as, a, as a family, as, as a person going through it, it's huge and I I don't I feel like there could be a little bit more support I don't know how it would it could happen because you know obviously the NHS is you know strained but you know and I and I I don't know whether there's things like this Andrea that you're doing which is which is excellent just to say to people do you know what it's horrible and it's hard but there's people out there to talk talk about
0: it I think particularly in the aftermath because it doesn't always I mean yes the physical side of it hits you straight away because you've got to deal with that um you know that's there in front of you and you've just got to get on with it and get through it um but you almost feel like right I've got through that right let's go again or let's bounce back or let's let's whatever get ourselves together but actually you haven't really dealt with the emotional side of it because you haven't had any chance to so sometimes that can hit you afterwards and um yeah I, I agree with you there needs to be some, some support available out there um, because it's it's you know one in four um, pregnancies that end in, in miscarriage and there's so many people out there that are going through it but it's just yeah. not talked about openly enough. No
1: it's not and again I think it's something that people don't necessarily want to ask about but yeah. they should because people were quite you know if somebody asked me I would if I didn't feel comfortable talking about it I'd be quite confident to say oh, I you know I probably won't, won't want to discuss that but at the same time if somebody wanted to ask me about it, I would, and I would personally, I feel comfortable to talk about it. I'd talk about all kinds of manners, you know, if they really wanted to know the intricacies about it, I'm happy to, to share and explore that um, because I feel it would have helped me if I'd have been able to talk to somebody um, about what I was going to expect, even on that Monday physically, like what, what, what does, what are we talking about? Like, what is, and uh, <laughs> I didn't know to expect that.
2: I mean, <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I, and
2: just... I was I was useless. I, I I underestimated the physical process of of a miscarriage. I I didn't I I I have major regrets on that day in terms of my level of support for Fern because I didn't I didn't know I didn't expect it. I did not know that that would happen to her. Um, and I think probably one of my things that one of my biggest regrets in life is not being more of a support network to Fern during that time because I didn't know what to do or how to do it. No, it was. was
1: But again, I say it all the time. Yeah, I I think that comes down to control again. You know, your lack of control and lack of knowing what to do. Mm. Just you, you you didn't know what to do because you couldn't control it. You couldn't help me. Nothing could. Yeah. Nothing stopped it. Nothing changed it. It was
0: going to happen. That control thing is 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 really interesting. And when you were saying that from a sporting point of view as well, usually if you have a letdown or you have a failure, you can train more, you can adjust this technique, or you can do something to get yourself back to where you want to be. But my husband's um a ex-professional sportsman and I think he felt very much the same like what do I do I'm totally out of control here I can't do anything I can't fix this I can't go and train and make it right or do it you know there's nothing I can do what do I do so I don't know it's it's gosh completely understandable that you wouldn't know what to do first of all and um and you know secondly it's understandable that people sort of shut down as well and you think well let's move on we won't talk about that now it's easier just to yeah. just to focus on the next thing isn't it which um which I don't I don't know what happened next with you guys, whether the next cycle was the successful one or how that how that happened really.
1: Yeah, we then we then did switch actually. Yeah. Um, and it's
2: interesting, just just to kind of go back a step there, you then go, right, is it my egg? Is it fern's oven? You know, yeah. and you and you then go right? So then the decision to switch then was around, well, they've they've suggested it could be my egg because you know and the building to that, I changed my diet. I you know, I had a Mediterranean diet. I did acupuncture. We did all this stuff that might help uh, the, the process, which, which it didn't. You know, I, I hate salmon, and I was eating salmon twice a week, you know, because they said oily fish is good for you. But actually, it, it wasn't. It didn't work. And I, and then if it does work, why don't you tell me at the beginning? Why did not you say, you know, do this, do <laughs> that? Yeah. yeah, you know, just – but, again, this goes back to the – it just – I mean – but that should have you know been too religious. God has a path set out, and and that, you know regardless of your Mediterranean diet or not, if it's going to work, it's going to work, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, acupuncture might not be the solution. So um, it was then when we kind of sat down and said, right, let's relook at this, re- revisit this. We decided to, um, to switch, didn't we? And that that we would try ferns eggs, and I would carry. Um, but for me, it was a really uh, interesting time in my career because I was. Um, Uh, an interim chief exec um, at the time so with the view hopefully to to become a full-time chief executive so I'm sat there on my part my career going we want a family (laughs) and I I don't want anything to get in the way of that but I'm I'm hoping to be a chief exec in the next 12 months so what do I do and how will that be perceived and you know and I think you then look at um, the New Zealand, and I'm not comparing myself to her by any means, but you look at someone like her who's really open about, you know, you can do both. You can have a career and be successful and be, you know, at the top of your game and have a family. And you, you look, and I think it's important as well that people who've done both, at some really poignant times in their careers um, talk about it as well Just because I think it's important to say you don't have to stop one thing to do the other thing you can do them side by side so we just did it didn't we we just said because also we didn't want to put our lives on hold anymore because we had done that historically we'd gone let's not book that holiday or let's not make that career okay. choice or let's not make some changes to the house and let's not buy yeah. that car because we're you know oh, yeah.
0: it affects every little part of your life doesn't it and it puts everything everything on hold everything you just you don't know what's exactly what cycle you're going to be doing what's on and then you think well I even a few months time I don't know where I'm going to be then so I'll say no to that and then you have all these kind of resentment that you've stopped doing that or you stopped doing that or you didn't do that and it just builds up and builds up. So at some point you've you've got to say, right, I'm going to, life is going to carry on as well. But that's so difficult.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. And that took us a while to do. You know, as I said earlier, like go two, three, four, everything was on hold. Oh well, we might be we could be four months pregnant then. Oh yeah. well. <laughs> What do you do? But we weren't, so in which case we missed that holiday. We didn't go to Wimbledon, we didn't do this, you know. It was all those things that, like you said, it's resentment, it's regret, it's just, and it's the things like,
0: you need to, to um maintain your mental health. All those things are important, yes. have those breaks, have that respite <laughs> from it. And if you don't, if you keep saying no to it with the yeah. because of the what ifs, then that you know, you keep it's just it's a spiral, then isn't it? Yeah,
2: it is. And but, we did, we did, we decided that we would go again, uh, you know, and then but then we, we we bought a camper van and we got married and we went to Vegas. So actually we just started living and then whether that made a difference to our, as you said, you know, your mental health to say, I'm relaxed. I'm in a good state. I'm happy. You know, is that why it's worked? Yeah. So you then look back and go actually putting myself under pressure to give up the wine and the caffeine and the, you know, and eat you know, food you don't like to eat. Was that, was that the right decision? Because yeah. I wasn't happy and I was uncomfortable and I was awkward. Whereas, you know, I've had a great time in, in Vegas and, a month later, we were going through the process again, you know. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and um, after all all the struggles, um, what what did it feel like to, well, when you were waiting to find out, you know, waiting that two-week wait and then the end of that two-week wait, um, do you do you remember that well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think by this point we had, we were, we'd broken it down so much that we were really enjoying the small wins, but they were very small and we, we just appreciated them for what they were, We've had some great eggs out. Yes, girl, like job done. Like, you know, that's a big tick in the box. Done. Next step is this. Don't get too excited. Don't get too disappointed. This is what it looks like. Mm. Because we knew every step, we felt more control. I think that was a big one. We knew every single stage. And the moment we got that two-week test and then went to six weeks, And we were really nervous about six weeks, given the miscarriage. That was huge. And you hear the heartbeat and you see it. And we're just going, is it the right size? Is it the right size? Mm. And it was. And then I think 20 week was... Then we had COVID. Oh, gosh. <laughs> then we had COVID,
0: yeah. <laughs> you actually had COVID, or do you no, mean we had no, the 20, pandemic? Cool. No, 20
1: weeks. <laughs> 20 weeks was not COVID. Weeks, I was not, no, it wasn't. You're right. It was 20 just... weeks again, was early. Yeah, it was yeah. around Christmas time. Mr. Bean. But 20 weeks was a big one for us because, you know, you can see so much. You're like, oh, my... Gosh, it's an actual tiny human. That was just the biggest, yeah, the, the biggest point it that we were. your getting,
0: confidence. Then that this, yeah, this could work. I, I mean, that was
2: huge. but I didn't want anyone to know. So, um, because of the the you know the disappointment that we, you know, the only people we told on Christmas Eve was our mums. Yeah. We didn't tell anybody, and I said, "Don't tell my dad," because he'd be down in the pub telling everybody. So, absolutely <laughs> don't tell my dad. <laughs> So then, over Christmas, you we were then not drinking. So uh, it was, you know, and I like a drink, Andrea, if I'm, if I'm truthful. <laughs> um, so my brother was like cottoning on, saying there's something not right here. Um, so it was that was interesting because we, yeah. until we'd had that, and you know, we we talk about it in like a 20 week scan. It's an anomaly scan. You know, it's a huge, you know, milestone in in that in that pregnancy journey. To 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 sit there and they go, yeah, you know, one finger, two finger, three finger. You know, and they go, they literally say that. <laughs> Which is just, you know. Yeah. Again, we didn't
1: know what we were going into, but no. it was it was phenomenal. It was it was so good. But yeah, I think I, I think from that point on, we started to enjoy it. But yeah. it's interesting you said about telling people because through the all the IVF journeys, every time we did it, we changed. We were like we won't tell anyone about this one. Let's just be free. It Doesn't matter. Let everybody ask. Yeah, we're going through this. We're in week one. We're, no, this time we won't tell anybody. <laughs> And I don't know why we changed. We just kept having different emotions about it, but like, just yeah. tell the mums. Don't tell anybody else. Yeah. Just tell this oh well that couple's going through the same, you know, it always changed. And you just got to do what feel comfortable. We don't really know what worked for us in the end, do we? Because no. um it changed so much. Maybe but... it's
0: about how strong you feel at that time yeah. you know about confronting people's questions <laughs> or talking to people yeah. about it or how confident you feel in the process yeah. that, at that time. As you say, your emotions fluctuate so much, don't they? Yeah. yeah. But at the end of all of this, <laughs> you had that uh, beautiful Bowden. Yeah, yeah. And it was And just, uh, he's uh, thriving, 14 months and thriving.
1: Yeah, certainly is thriving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. And honestly, just the best, the best thing. We've always said, like, the hardest, but the best thing in the world. Mm. You know, it's parenting's tough. I mean, it's, but it's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, when we, we truly are blessed. Um, you know, we had. Well, he, he came early, so he, it was five weeks early,
2: and he was in yeah. intensive care for a couple of days. So that was another hurdle <laughs> to get over, really. Just and again, else, yeah. and yeah. again during COVID. So yeah. um, you know, it was it was end of June that he he arrived, and it was you know, it, I mean, even a couple of appointments, I think I had to go on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, our antenatal classes were online, so we, it was you know, I guess it was from March till June that we were in this kind of space of not knowing what was safe and what wasn't safe, or what was safe and what wasn't safe. Um. But yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Because yeah. I was in hospital then for five days, and Firm was in there for the first day, and then I was, you know. I was back to visiting hours, wasn't I? Yeah. Well, you weren't allowed in for five oh, days. I
0: wasn't. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Exactly. all this kind of stuff you just blur from your memory so much has happened home it, since yeah. I suppose so
1: oh it's traumatic. those three I remember those three days I mean uh, the house was spotless when I got home because it's all fair did was clean like
0: I've
1: cleaned the house again I've dusted everywhere
0: <laughs> I've over again twice this day <laughs> oh I, you must just uh, oh, look great. at him all the time and just you know be so um grateful I, I don't know really whether grateful is the right word I never really know what the right word is to use in these circumstances because you use the word blessed as well but you know it's it's so hard, isn't it, when you know what you've been through, to know the right words to use, and to know that lots of other people are still maybe going through that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that we we talked about when we spoke on the phone before was was that genetic link and how much you think about that as well, because it's quite in- intriguing in terms of the nature nurture debate, isn't it? And what you might look for in terms of um, does Bowden have my nose or my I, I don't know my lips or whatever or mm-hmm. um, characteristics wise when you when when you know. That there's the donation factor as well does how do you how does that all yeah. play into it's, it
1: it's it's another interesting one really because we yeah it's, it's my my eggs which are carried mm-hmm. and so I, genetically
2: it's you yeah but then apparently and I, I, I try not to think too much about it but biologically there's a connection because it's it's my blood I carried him it's my heartbeat so I think I tried to hold on to that
0: that's that's really interesting yeah
2: yeah those positives around we might be I mean they might not be true somebody might come and say that's rubbish but (laughs) I'm going to hold on to that and and make the most of that
0: but it's certainly a really crucial important connection both um, physically biologically mentally and emotionally to carry that child isn't it yeah
2: huge, huge and you know and you know, when when he when there's there's times when he just wants me, and he just wanted me obviously when I was sort of breastfeeding and I was like, this is this is amazing because you know there there is that fear that he's not going to connect with me, and he's he's going to see you know Fern is his, his biological mum, and I'm just the other mum, you know, and it, 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 of course there's that kind of apprehension, but the fact that I've been part of the journey and I've carried, I, I are so fortunate, so lucky that we've both. Being on the journey together and I've, I've played a huge part by carrying Bowden. so um, you know that that's not to say you know, I mean ne- when we go next time Fern's going to carry so um, I, I'm you know I'm going to feel the same you know because it's, it's, it's still going to be our child and, and Bowdoin's brother or sister hopefully if we're successful so but to go the first attempt and the first go of and I've been successful with Bowden to be part of that process is, is just phenomenal. And, you know, I do look, he does some stuff and I, you know, m- mainly his frown and his, his temper. <laughs> um, I'm like, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's definitely some characters. I things like Ria's laugh is very like, just big and loud and ah, just kind of, and he does that, he does that already, you know, and, and it's just, it is magical to see both of us in him. Mm like you said it is going to be really interesting next time because it's going to be my eggs in me and so does that already put a disconnect between the next baby and Rhea? like we hope not of course we do um there's going to be a natural link because we're using the same donor with right. odin um, which is going to be huge as well and really important to us. Um, and is that
0: what they usually would? That be advice that people would get to try and use the same donor if you if you can? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it can come down to preference. Um, but as I said, I think I mentioned it earlier. You can go. So we went back to the the, the donor bank and they had some available. But if there were none, you no know, no vials left or whatever they call them, you could ask the agency to contact the donor and say, this family who you've already donated to are looking to extend, would you like to, mm-hmm. um, and they can choose then. So there might be opportunities where they they go, no, the donor has chosen not to give.
2: Because he was retired, wasn't he? They, he was a retired donor, but there was some left. He was, there, was, yeah. there was sort of three vials left and we were like, we'll have them, send them over, that, you know, we want them. You know, yeah. there was And I, and I guess if, he, if he'd said no, again, we would have gone, we'd have had to sit down and go, right,
1: what do we want to do now? You know, do we really want uh, a next... Yeah, to the means. next baby, to have a different donor to Bowdoin. Does it matter? Does it play a yeah. Is it just science like we went back to? Yeah. Or actually, yeah. you know, what... Because that would be a very different scenario with a different donor with my eggs in me. Mm. What would be the connection to Rhea? What would be the connection to Bowden? Yeah, yeah, or does yeah. it matter? Because actually, we're all growing up in one big family and yeah, yeah. we're all going to do the same things and we're going to be, you know, the house is going to be full of love and full of laughter and probably full of music. Mm. It, it doesn't matter. Um, Country music and and, sports, and a golf club. She just, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and a, and a golf club. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So, you know, they are the important things to us. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting interesting conversation. Thankfully, we haven't had to have it. We can use the same donor. But, but yeah. when we talk about this, we we are still now on a journey of not knowing
2: and hurdles again. You know. So yeah. whilst you have got, you know, we're going through the process again. You know, soon. Um, Between Bowdoin and this, we've had two failed pregnancies as well. So we had two um, embryos on ice um, and we've had, you know, we've gone again twice and we we did um, non-medicated, unmedicated and been unsuccessful, so... And
0: again, you it's, could, really, it it's, it's really, it's really hard. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's constant, isn't Washington it? Washington. There's just no, there's no respite from it. It's just, <laughs> just, it's just constant. And you know, I'm sure you were for, felt fortunate to have those two, you know, on ice, as as you put yeah. it. But, um, but it's also making that choice to go again, isn't it? Building yourself up for potential disappointment is really difficult.
2: And there does come a stage where you say, you know, when do we stop? You know, what stop? Is it the finances that stop you? You know, and then, you know, uh, one of our mum says, I'll, "I'll give you money," and you know, I'll give you, and he's just like, "I'll actually." That's not the, the point, you know. That the from your own kind of um emotional stability, there has to be a point where you go, Do you know what? We have to accept that this is not going to work. And you know, do we then consider adoption and do we go down a different pathway? And you know, we, we had that conversation, didn't we? Before yeah. we switched and went with, with Fern's egg saying, If this doesn't work, we're having one more go, and then we'll need to sit down, and give ourselves some time, give have some respite, all knowing. Our, our biological clock is ticking going <laughs> how much respite can we have yeah <laughs> you know? yeah. So.
0: yeah oh everything you've said has been hugely relatable re- regarding the IVF um journey you know the ups and downs the emotions the practicalities of it so yeah thank you so much for talking about it and as I say I've learned a lot about um the sperm donation side of it as well and I hope that the fact that I came to it with not much knowledge will mean that people listening will have a lot of their questions answered um when we're talking about it. I suppose to end I just we've talked a little bit about some advice you would give people along the way but just do you have just one gem each which you'd want to share sort of your top tip I suppose and um, um on either either the IVF side of things or from the, the sperm donor side of things, is there anything you would say of, right, actually, if I, I wish I'd known this maybe before I embarked on it.
2: Yeah. I, I think just, you have to be pragmatic about it. You have to just, you know, take the pressure off yourself. And, you know, there's nothing that you can't influence it any more than what, than that you, you just can't influence it. It is, it is what it is. And and that's the hardest thing, like, you know, with that control aspect. So take the pressure off yourself, take each step as it comes and just try to be pragmatic
1: about it. Yeah. And if it's meant to be, it will be. And I think just go into it, eyes wide open and ask questions. And if you don't know what questions to ask, the one question you ask is what could go wrong at the next stage? Because you're they're probably going to tell you what will happen if you're successful or what the good will come of the next stage. Ask the question, Mm -hmm. what, what are the potential things that might not work at this next stage? Mm. And you can then go into it with your eyes wide open. As Ria said, continue to live your life, you know, do things normally, do, do things that make you happy, you know, continue that, continue life as much as possible because mentally it'll take over naturally. You're, you're just going to spend every day thinking about it and every day thinking, oh, is that the fourth cup of coffee I've had? Better not have another one. It'll do it anyway. So just do that. But in the meantime, continue to be happy and ask questions and if you don't ask don't want to ask questions to the nhs or your private clinic reach out to people who've gone through it Mm. and ask questions and they'll quite openly say i don't want to talk about it and you can ask someone else um i think that would be my 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 best advice and 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 tune into your podcast andrea yes Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which I hope is will help people. Yeah, hopefully it will give people some answers as well. And um, yeah, as I say, oh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant to talk to you. And so for being so open about it as well, it's just, it's not an easy thing. And I, I just am very grateful to everyone who is willing to uh, talk about it with me. Thank you so, so much to Ria and to Fern. Fantastic practical tips to end there on dealing with a fertility journey. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, and such candid chat there as well. Thank you. And the wonderful news is that we are now a few months on from recording that podcast. As I explained, I had a COVID delay in getting this online. So what I can tell you is that Rhea and Fern are now expecting their second child. Congratulations to them. Please remember that if you do have a question about fertility issues, your diagnosis, your choices, you can contact me on social media at Making Babies Pod or at Andrea Byrne TV. I'm also on LinkedIn if you'd prefer that and it can all be anonymous. There'll be two episodes coming up with clinicians from CRGW to end the series and they are kindly sponsoring this series, as I said. And on those episodes, we'll try to answer questions with the help also of the charity Fertility Network UK. So I look forward to hearing from you. I'll be back soon speaking to comedian Jeff Norcott and we'll be talking about baby loss and his journey to help men open up more about the loss and grief that can also be part of making babies. For now, though, it is goodbye. And as ever, thank you very much for listening.